You're listening to The Bunker New York, live on RBMA Radio. Hello, you're listening to The Bunker New York on RBMA Radio. I'm your host, Brian Kasnick. Today we are joined by very special guest Function, who is from New York, but just arrived from his home in Berlin. Literally just touched down in New York a couple hours ago, and we're pushing him right into the mix on the radio show. So uh, sit back and relax. We're here with Function in the Mix for at least the next hour or so. You're listening to The Bunker New York on RBMA Radio. Thank you. 
You're listening to The Bunker New York on RBMA Radio. We are in the mix right now with Function of Infrastructure New York. Oscar Ton, maybe after the set, he's going to tell us some of what he's playing. Maybe not. I know he's got a lot of exclusive in, exclusives in here, some secret sauce. Uh, we are going to stay in the mix with Function, so stay locked in. This is The Bunker New York on RBMA Radio.
Hello, you're listening to The Bunker New York on RBMA Radio. We are coming out of a pretty nice extended 90-minute set here. I guess extended for radio, not extended by <laughs> actual function. Like tip of the iceberg at Bergheim, right? DJ standards. Um, but thank you so much for the set. That was wonderful. You're welcome. Thank we you for having me. This lot, is fun. A lot of comments online, people asking... Uh, what track that is what, what's what's that what's that and <laughs> cool. some of them we knew but some of them we didn't so it seems like you had some unreleased forthcoming secret things in there yeah yeah there was some stuff in the beginning that's uh part of this infrastructure uh facticity uh quadruple pack box set that we have coming out it's actually really it's not announced yet but i, I, I guess it is now <laughs> So it's a four uh, four CDs for uh, no it's a uh, four four, uh, four times twelve inch and it'll be on CD and digital as well. The the vinyl box may be limited, um, and then possibly we're still working that out. But uh, it's in production and it'll be out on June third. But um, they they may come out individually on the repress because. Uh, there's this artist Rob McNally that we commissioned to do the the cover art, and um, so we'll probably limit it to the 500 for for the first run, and then maybe sell them separately afterwards. Oh yeah, 500 of those will fly. So this is this is new music, old music. Yeah, it's all new music, and it's like the the core roster. Um, Function Inland separately. I have a track on there on my own. Inland has a track on their own on his own um, we have a track together and then Postscriptum Campbell Irvine uh, Castle Green and Tim Mann and uh, others yeah. <laughs> Blue, Blue Hours on there <laughs> I'm just trying to it's 15 tracks but yeah we're, we're super excited about it I mean you have a project coming or did this happen already the one that's like the retrospective of all your the function back catalog it, we Last year we released um, three 12 inches that were uh, under the name Recompiled, and but this year is the 20 year, the actual 20 year anniversary. It was the, the tracks. The, my first EP on on Signway was made in '95, but it came out in in '96. So this is the 20 year anniversary, and um, that's probably going to come out in September. There's going to be like a four CD box set and maybe like a triple pack vinyl. And that's going to be an Osgood and Infrastructure collaboration. Four CDs of all function yeah. music. Wow. Uh, so Sine Wave, um, Infrastructure, Samwell District, and Osgood. All, all the stuff that I released on there. So it's kind of everything that's ever come out under the function name. Yeah, and there's a couple of um, unreleased things that I found on my old DAT tapes when I was going through them. I found this like thing that I totally forgot that I did in, 90, <laughs> in 93. That Just like this really cool ambient track. And uh, yeah, so... And then there'll be some exclusive versions of like Golden Dawn and um, yeah, a few other things. I mean, because for the longest time, I feel like you were kind of people knew Function and knew the Function name, but for a while, you were you weren't really you were putting out a lot of music, but not actually under your own name. There was a period, yeah. You kind of stopped doing that. Yeah, that was <laughs> <laughs> diminishing yeah. returns. Um, no, actually. Actually, that's not really the case. Some some of the stuff did really well, but um, I I don't know. I, I I I don't know if it's really possible to be completely anonymous these days because of because of the internet. Back then, you could do you could stick things out, and 
Yeah, there was no discogs. There was no. Yeah, there like were no forums where people were trying to figure it out. There was now no way Google, for the information to spread really quickly. You Google Mad Mike now, you see Mad Mike. You know, you could see his face for 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 over a decade. You know, everybody was wondering who he was. He wore a ski mask. You couldn't find out what he looks like now. Google him. There he is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you and I. Basic channel, same thing. Like, yeah, you can you can book those guys now. We know what they look like. <laughs> we know who they are. Um, I think I've talked with you personally a lot in the past about your kind of social media phobia. I mean, you do you do have a social media presence in so, that. Something like that. And that, I don't know if it's really a presence. It exists. <laughs> there is a function SoundCloud. There is a function Facebook page. Not much is happening there. Um, what I guess, what is the reason for that? Because you, you and I have spoken a lot about the the dark side of social media and your opinions on what, like the effect it's had on culture in general, but even more specifically techno culture. Uh, well, I don't know. I think part of it's uh, rooted in the way I was raised. I, I just don't, I don't like, I think it's, I don't, I, I don't think you should brag about yourself and I, and I don't feel comfortable doing it. Like I, and I come from a time where uh, it, what, what I was doing existed before the internet. So I'm still kind of stuck in that time. And uh, adjusting and you know like i remember years ago people you would ask me if i had a business card and i would always say i don't have a business card i put out records you know and i and i still stand by that and and i feel like if you do something worthwhile um you know, people are gonna hear about it and um yeah we're, you don't need to over promote it and i I'm, I'm i'm going back and forth with this all the time i mean i i Sometimes I want to just completely delete my Facebook page, but um, yeah, I just kind of leave it there. And I, I think it some, sometimes works against me because um, I should have, I don't know, I, I hate even talking about this. I should have a lot more likes than I do. and it's just, <laughs> You need to be more active on your socials, Dave. Yeah, but you know. I don't know. I, I've been I've been doing it for a long time, and it seems to be working out. So I I, I don't want to force it down people's throats. So yeah, I mean your your career as a techno artist certainly appears to be going all right. I, yeah, I think. I, but I think the whole social networking thing like compromised a lot of things. I've I've seen a lot of artists that would I would have thought would have been totally against that, and now they're taking selfies and like I don't want to mention names, but like some people i had a lot of respect for that um just kind of <laughs> <laughs> mike servitas you know, when, when, when i look some at some people's faces it's like <laughs> i'll just shut up now <laughs> you were talking about servito weren't you <laughs> no mike's actually really good at social media we all love his social media um, yeah, to each his own. Like people do do it well, and I, I just cringe every time I'm I'm about to post something, and you just can't do it. It's not you. You're it, too it's... techno. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're we're talking about celebrating. We're, we're celebrating 20 years of you as a DJ or a um, producer or both. What... Um, releasing, releasing as, as function. Yeah. When when how long have you been actually DJing? Since I get I guess around 88. 80... 88 wow 89 something like that what? I think 88 where where were you DJing in 1988 in my parents basement <laughs> <laughs> but it was cool my mom um, 
she didn't want us going out and causing trouble so she let us uh take over the basement and she reg she quickly regretted that because um we covered the walls in graffiti and and um was so loud that she she couldn't hear herself think but um I wouldn't be who I am today without it. I mean, it was it was a great experience. Like we had this really nice basement. Actually, Jordan and I talked about this at length when we did the the art of DJing piece. And um, yeah, I, I was living in New Jersey, and um, there was a group of us, like fifteen or twenty of us, or something. And we all some a couple of friends lived across the street, uh, but we were all in like a one or two mile vicinity, and we were just like buy records and then go over each other's houses and, and play them and yeah I think this is how a lot of good things start it's just some friends playing records in a basement it kind of turns into something else in a, in a way that's how the bunker really started it was a public venue and we were DJing for people but kind of not really I mean the early days of the bunker were us DJing for our 10 or 20 closest friends and it just grew and grew what was the original space? Was it was it somewhere else before it started, Tonic? It started at Subtonic in 2003. Yeah. So that was the first one. It took a few years missed before. Missed that place. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we all missed that place. It's uh, funny enough, it's an art gallery now. And I was at a Thanksgiving dinner two years ago. And uh, the mutual friend that brought me and this other couple to Enseza to this Thanksgiving dinner, it turns out is the person who owns the art gallery that's at 107 Norfolk Street in wow. Tonic. And we like figured this out over dinner and nobody had any idea going into it. It's really bizarre. Did they knock the building down? Or? It's not knocked down, it's the same building. They completely renovated it. It's all white walls, like a nice clean gallery now, but it's actually, cool. it's actually the same building. And uh, for many years it looked the same like I actually remember for two or three years after we were kicked out or whatever it's debatable what happened at the end yeah of that Tonic. was my next question because I I, th I thought they were building something there that's what I they built that huge blue building on the lower yeah. side right next door and there's all kinds of theories well. about well, yeah there's all kinds of theories about what happened because kind of right when that went up is when subtonic closed but I don't from being there I don't recall getting a lot of uh, complaints from the police or anything like that. I think it was just time. I think the owners of the venue were also kind of over it. They didn't yeah. really, they just weren't really into running a venue anymore. But yeah, I mean, those were the days. And that, um, Manhattan that, too. In Manhattan. Yeah. When we, when we moved the bunker to Brooklyn, then people thought it was crazy that we were moved there. Like, yeah. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. They were like, you're going to do a, like, they're like, who's going to go to that? Like who's gonna go to a party in Brooklyn? Why would you? What have was a party? that first space um, on Metro or on? Was it on Metropolitan? Yeah, it was right down the street from our place at the time. It was Luna Lounge, Luna which is Lounge, now yeah. Knitting Factory. Before oh, is it? and then it's... like yeah, and then like six months after that, we moved to Galapagos, which became Public Assembly, and we're there for like four or five years. Maybe no, wait, maybe it was more. Longer, right? yeah, yeah, maybe like 2007 to 2013. Um, so to time warp again for a second, actually right to that era, um, in early 2008, we released the Bunker Podcast number seven, which was your, from you, from Function. And at the time, there weren't many podcasts out there. So it was actually a much bigger deal. And it, that was it recorded at Subtonic. Yeah. The fact that we were recording sets and putting them online at the time was kind of uh, a novel thing. 
and uh, I went back and read our description of it from the time, and it's recorded live at Blood and Thunder, which was an 18-hour after-hours party at Subtonic, that that year followed a 12-hour party that I did with Wolf and Lamb at 12 turns 13. So altogether, that was like a 30-hour event mm-hmm. on January 1st, 2007, and apparently you played around 9 p.m., and you called it the set I always wanted to play. Um, and I believe you said that this is the set that ultimately got you booked at the Labyrinth Festival in Japan. Yeah, yeah. So feel, it feels to me like looking back at your career that this, like kind of not specifically this set, but this time, like something something shifted, something happened. You kind of went from, I think at the time you were throwing parties in New York that weren't like... Yeah, it was just time to the, stop being lazy and procrastinating. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so what, I mean, what is it? That's, that's basically what shifted. You just decided it was time to, um, well, it was, it was a number of things, but, um, I started, I started throwing parties, um, and being a promoter and sort of lost sight of myself as an artist. And I wasn't as good at throwing parties as you are, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So... I found myself just struggling at, to the end, but and then focusing so much on the local scene that I just wasn't thinking about myself. And then um, was bringing artists in to play my parties, and I, re- I remember a couple of them saying, "Like, dude, what are you doing? Like, why are you throwing parties? Like, you should be making music." And um, at that, I mean, there was there was sort of a crossroads because techno that i was doing earlier sort of like that sound kind of fizzled out and then minimal was becoming really big and i wasn't making minimal i was sort of embracing it and then i I think this has been talked about in some interviews like um about samuel district and stuff like that like carl and i were talking a lot about what was going on and I went to Berlin in like 2004 and we went to Hard Wax and that was the first time we heard Sleep Archive and we kind of looked at each other and we were like okay this is this is minimal but um, it's it's not the, the, the type of minimal that was happening at the time and uh, we found that to be really inspiring and then yeah, over so I guess from like 2004 to 2007 I was really taking stock on things and um I kind of re- you know uh release-wise just kept quiet for a bit just to to take stock and see where where I was heading and I didn't I felt like during that time I didn't really want to release a lot. So it was a, a bit of a quiet period and that's what helped shape uh the, the things that came after. So yeah, 2007 um, going into 2008, that's that's when I be- started becoming probably the most prolific uh, than any other time in like, the studio. Yeah, yeah. And that's wise. and that's when exactly did you move to Berlin? It was right around then, right? Um, November 29th, 2007, and it was uh, just I don't know. It's a, I'm happy to say that I have this like cool little story. Like I'm not like boasting about it, but I. It, it was that it was sort of that moment that I needed in my life. It was a very personal thing, but like I planned on moving to Berlin, um, made the plans. I, I came over in August for a couple of weeks. Um, that's when 
the tracks that I had for Isolation were realized, and that was my first release on Samuel District. And then I went back to New York, packed my things, uh, uh, took care of all the loose ends, and then on November 29th, landed in Berlin. And the day that I landed, um, Isolation came out on, on Samuel District. So it was like kind of cool to have this like. I, I hit the ground running, you know, it's like I, the, the day I landed, I had a record come out and then it got like uh, DJ Mag Techno 12 inch of the month or something like that. It was just like the kind of motivation that I needed to inspire me to that. Yeah, you're kind of the opposite of so many people that I know and I'm sure you know, like being in the US techno scene all these years, it's there's so many people who decide that they need to move to Berlin because that's where techno is happening and their career is stagnant in the US and then they go they go to Berlin and all gung-ho I'm gonna put out all these records I'm gonna work really hard I'm gonna it, the rent is cheap I'm gonna be in a studio and then like fast forward to five years later and they're just like hanging out at Panorama Bar they it was, done anything so you're I, I mean I I've really, always seen you as the, the big success story I guess that you I was really conscious of it I could have latched on to a lot of people and um I I went and and I and I sort of had a plan. I just didn't want to I didn't want to go with my hat in, in my hand to anyone. I didn't want to ask anyone for gigs. I didn't want to closely asso- associate myself with certain people. I mean, I, there was Juan and Carl with Samuel dis- District, of course, but um you know, like what was going on at that time in like the minimal scene. It was very it was very clicky and it was very much about socializing and I at that point I actually didn't have a cell phone um, I had like this dirty basement studio in Kreuzberg near Hard Wax uh, for, with my friend uh, Tony from Possible Music he, he, let, he let me just take this basement and um, I kind of hid away for a while and just yeah honed it in and, and, and concentrated I, 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 it, at that point Point, it, it really wasn't a joke to me it was sort of do or die so um and it, it, I, I say that because it it's very easy to go to berlin and get sucked into the vortex and and lose sight of things and just like stay out all night and i was really just concentrating and just put my head down and just worked yeah i mean for you for a lot of people i'm sure berlin and those all night parties are exciting to you but for a lot of people it's maybe more exciting because you've been in techno for so long you've been to so many parties like i guess maybe you didn't need to party when you got to berlin don't get me wrong i did <laughs> oh, yeah i was gonna no. say i think i heard a, <laughs> might have heard a few stories <laughs> well i mean but what i what i really enjoyed was um during that time i, I I was going out and to get inspired by music and Adam like Adam X moved there a little bit before I did and Adam and I are really close old friends and um he got there a little bit before I did so he knew his way around and just him and I would just go out and stay at Bergheim and Panorama Bar and just listen it it I I kind of miss those days where you just could just go and get lost in music I I can't really do that anymore and and i and i found it to be really inspiring because i would i lived like walking distance from the club and we'd go we'd, we'd listen we'd hang out for a long time i mean it's a great sound system and it was great and it was it was cool to also go to Berghain and like start hearing like 
start hearing my music there and um yeah i mean bergheim has a, a lot to do with it and that's why um that's how i was sort of i sort of naturally gravitated towards osgood bergheim and 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 became a part of it very very quickly and easily but without without forcing anything like i became friends with the owners i became fr friends with a lot of the residents um i started hearing my music there a lot and then it just yeah slowly turned into what eventually became a residency and being an artist on the label so when did when did that happen the the album and the resident did the album and the residency happen at the same time um official residency yeah um but we were doing Samuel district label nights there and playing four or five times a year since 2008 um but it all became more official in 2013 when the album came out and you say you can't do that anymore why why can't you go to Bergheim and get lost in music anymore i mean you still you don't live you don't really, live far really you're asking me that? i have to answer that question because no because people recognize you <laughs> i was just another face in the crowd at that time nobody knew right. who i was i, I hate to, I, it sounds so stupid saying it but like <laughs> it's true you know no it's i mean it's it's legit it's it's much harder to really let loose and have a good time when people you don't know want to talk to you about yeah, yeah, things like, you don't want to talk about. In the middle yeah, of the it was just floor. a different point in my life, and um, that's why I say I miss it because, um, yeah, it was. I could just go there, be another face in the crowd, and um, I just get inspired. And I, I remember I, I would just go there and then go directly home and and work on music. And yeah, we were actually talking with Eric about this, Eric Cloutier, just last week, and I, I hear this from artists all the time, that they're at Berghain or Labyrinth or some amazing party, um, and just, they just want to literally go straight to the studio and work on music, because it's so, it's hard to get that kind of inspiration out. I mean, you listen to an amazing track at home on your monitors or whatever, it's inspiring, but nothing's as inspiring to me as... Yeah, I mean, every once in a while, my girlfriend and I, like when I get back from playing on the weekend, um, it's not so often, but occasionally we'll go, and it's like for like the the closing slots and stuff like that. And I still and I and I do still get inspired by that. So, DJing since 1988, it seems like you've gone through pretty much every format that you could possibly go through in your DJ sets from like playing vinyl to I don't know if you ever did CDs you did able like in the Sandwell era you were doing Ableton and now for a while now you've been doing the the CDJs which you seem super comfortable on now yeah um what what brought about that the change from Ableton to the CDJs a lot of it was springboarded by the residency at Bergheim um, like when I joined, we had this discussion and I, I, I felt like I exhausted the Ableton thing anyway and was ready to go back to just matching beats. I kind of missed it, you know, because that's the thing in Ableton is just like warp marked, everything's tight and together. And, and, you know, that you could be creative with that as well at the time that you don't have to apply to matching beats and you can apply to programming and, and editing and, and remixing things live. And that's great. But I did that for like eight eight or so years so I was ready to go back to it and um, they also mentioned that none of the residents play lap off of a laptop none of them like all, all the the residents at Bergheim and Panorama Bar are either vinyl or on, on CDJs 
no one's using Serato or any sort of yeah. did, like laptop. I kind of remember Ryan Elliott also going from Tractor yeah. to, at that time, I think it was CDJ, CDs, burning CDs before uh, the USB capability of the CDJs around the time that he became a resident. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what that was it basically if you you want to be a resident there it's not really it doesn't fit the mold too yeah and there's some residents that still play strictly vinyl and i really appreciate that i I mean i I was playing a lot of vinyl when i first made the switch when i first became an official resident but i think that traveling with vinyl kind of stopped me from playing vinyl at all I play vinyl at home, and I would love to, to travel with vinyl, but it's it's difficult at this point, you know. A, a lot of turn, you get to a lot of gigs, especially festivals and stuff like that. Like people aren't maintaining turntables the way they should because people aren't using them so much. So um, it's it's pretty often that you can turn up to a gig, play vinyl, and something on the on the turntable is not working correctly, and that's just like that ruins the whole thing. And then you know, you don't sound as good as everybody else because they're not playing vinyl, and it's 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 crazy to say that, but yeah, it's, I've it seen is, a, it is the case. A lot of people get to a breaking point. I remember when Levon Vincent hit his breaking point. It's because he was he was sticking to vinyl strictly, but he started having bad gigs because yeah, it wasn't I mean, working, and the people in the crowd don't think, oh, that must be something wrong with the turntables. They're exactly, just like, this DJ sucks. Exactly. Like, why? Yeah, I played a gig recently in Manchester, and. These girls were playing after me and they played all vinyl and they sounded great, but like they were playing one track and they're like, I don't know if dust got caught under the needle, but like the record, the needle just slid across the record and it's like, it's not their fault, you know, it's, it's, it's not, but it's, yeah, that's, but you wind up looking bad. So, so you're happy with this. Yeah. I, I, I think that I found a way to play, to play exactly the same way with CDJs that I do with vinyl. So that's that's why I'm comfortable with it. Right. Um, so speaking of missing things, um, do you do you miss being in the States? You've been in Germany for eight years now. Do you, you must miss it here. If, if I'm watching TV and something about New York or if a photo or images of New York come up, I get really emotional. So yes, I I miss it here. No, I I always find myself saying that I'm I'm stationed in Berlin. I moved there for work. Do you see yourself moving back here at any time? Um, I would like to say yes, but um, I feel like the bulk of my work is in Europe, and I feel like that's where I should be. So, um, and. As much as I love New York, um, I don't miss the pressure of New York. Berlin's an easy life, you know. It's, it's, it's. Um, you, have, you could have a really great quality of life in comparison for you know. A, I think I've worked it out. I think it's like a seventh or eighth of the price. Come on. I I think so. Yeah. But I mean. But you're not living in New York. I mean, Berlin's a great city, but it's not as exciting as New York. The nightlife is great, and it's great that that nightclubs can go for extended hours that way. But other than that, I find I find Berlin to be a bit provincial and and quiet, in right. com- especially in comparison. Yeah, it doesn't have the 
it's not a 24-hour city. Yeah, they, it doesn't the have the energy are, on the street. Yeah. I mean, I live walking distance from Alexanderplatz, and seriously, some nights it's like, we walk outside, we're just like, how is it so quiet? It's like the center of town. And Yeah. Um, well, speaking of New York, I, I feel like I don't, I don't see you play so much in other places, but I saw you at Berghain recently at the Bunker Showcase there and some other places. And I, I feel like your sets in New York in recent years have been, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but they seem like you're doing something different when you're playing in New York than you are in other places. It's more, I don't know, more classics, more diverse. That yeah, true? yeah, I guess so. Um, yeah, I was really, when we did the, the bunker thing in January, I was definitely conscious of playing a bit more hypnotic. I, I think I started the year um, planning on pulling back a little bit and and playing more hypnotic because uh i think in the last year or two i was playing a bit more clubby and and you know it, ha it has a lot to do with the gigs and and the way that the gigs make you play i mean to me it's all the, it's all the same it's all on the, under under the same umbrella um but i feel like i feel like i kind of peaked in 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 the last couple of years in my sound and it, it I, I I had a conversation with the owners of Berghain and my booking agent. It, we we kind of talked about this, and about I think the owner of Berghain said to me like he noticed that I started playing more clubby, and that he used to hear mixes because he records all this stuff, and that's how he reviews everything because they're open forty eight hours a weekend. So um in order for him to get a sense of things he has everything sort of archived they're just like running a, a cd burner or whatever or or, or or hard drive and recording everything and um he said that <laughs> he started he, he was he was saying that um he used to be able to completely pinpoint when it was a set of mine and that in the last year or two we'll just be in the red <laughs> well, sorry that's that's a given <laughs> Like I'm the only DJ in the world that plays in the red. <laughs> um, so we just have a couple minutes here, so we should we should definitely plug. You're you're in New York to play a show tomorrow night. Uh, where where is that? What's that all about? Yeah, it's it's cool how this all came about because I actually took some time off to work in the studio, and I was I was coming across to to work in the studio with a friend, and this I I actually canceled some gigs that were that were meant to be for this weekend and rescheduled them and was going to come across to visit my mom and some family and friends and then work in the studio with a friend and then this this gig came in uh for flash factory and I'm, I'm excited to see what they're doing it's cool to see them taking something back to manhattan and um I, i've i've read about it and looked it up it looks like a beautiful space so yeah, yeah i haven't been there but i've seen pictures it looks very nice so um Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having awesome me. Set. Uh, we'll have to do it again next time you're in town. Uh, everybody catch Dave tomorrow at Flash Factory in Manhattan. Uh, check out our activities online at BunkerNY.com. Coming up next, we have a 36-hour party at Market Hotel next weekend that we're doing with our friends Unter. And then we are doing a 15 years of spectral party at Good Room on April 1st. More info on all that, like I said, at thebunkerny.com. 
Thanks for tuning in. You have been listening to The Bunker New York on RBMA Radio.